Amen, amen. If you have your Bibles, open up with me to the 31st Psalm, Psalm 31. If you don't have your own copy of God's Word, you can open up to page 635 there in the Pew Bible in front of you, 635 in the Pew Bible, and we'll also have it on the screen for you uh, this morning. As you're opening up there, I want to remind you all, if you would, to make time, uh, go ahead and begin putting on your calendars our spring revival. It's happening this month, uh, the 18th, 19th, and 20th of March. So, so we'll come here on the Lord's Day morning, and then you'll have Sunday night off, and then Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday nights, all three nights, we'll have revival here at the church. My friend and mentor, his name's Clint Presley, uh, will be preaching. He's the pastor at Hickory Grove Baptist Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. And so he'll be here with us all three nights. And I want to just tell you a couple of things that we're doing to make it as easy as possible for you to be here. The first thing we're going to do um, is uh, we're going to have one night uh, uh, Chick-fil-A, another night pizza, and then on Wednesday night, Joyce is going to cook. We're going to have a big meal together, but there will be supper here available. We're going to ask you, I, I don't know if it's in here this week, but coming up soon, you'll be able to put on there what night you'd like to have dinner provided for you here at the church, uh, and, and it'll be the same cost as Wednesday nights, and you'll be able to come eat. I know how hard it can be sometimes to get back at six. You've got to go home and eat supper and that sort of thing as well. But then also, uh, each night, Lydia and Woody have been working on uh, having a kids' revival each night. It's going to be a little easier. Of course, we'll have a nursery, as we always do. But also, there'll be some special programming, so to speak, for our children uh, each night of the revival. As they hear, uh, Lydia's going to speak to them, and then we're going to have special music for them and everything else. And so, it's going to be a good night. So, we're, I'm hoping and praying everyone will be able to come out those nights uh, and, and worship, and I, I believe it'll be a good uh, setup for us as we go into the Easter season. So please, I, I ask you if you would, go ahead and begin marking your calendars for that, make plans, make every possible effort that you can uh, to attend revival later this month. Well, if you have your Bibles open, why don't you go ahead and stand with me out of reverence for the reading of the words of our God. David writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in such a way that as the words on this page are being read, God himself is speaking to you. Beginning in verse 1, to the choir master, a psalm of David. And you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me. Rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress, and for your name's sake you lead me and guide me. You take me out of the net they have hidden for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. I hate those who pay regard to worthless idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love because you have seen my affliction. You have known the distress of my soul and you have not delivered me into the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a broad place. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted from grief. My soul and my body also, for my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity and my bones Waste away. Because of all my adversaries, I've become a reproach, especially to my neighbors. 
and an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street flee from me. I've been forgotten like one who is dead. I've become like a broken vessel, for I hear the whispering of many terror, of many terror on every side, as they scheme together against me, as they plot to take my life. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. Make your face shine on your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. O Lord, let me not be put to shame, for I call upon you. Let the wicked be put to shame. Let them go silently to Sheol. Let the lying lips be mute, which speak insolently against the righteous in pride and contempt. Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you and worked for those who take refuge in you in the sight of the children of mankind. In the cover of your presence, you hide them from the plots of men. You store them in your shelter from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has wondrously shown his steadfast love to me when I was in a besieged city. I had said in my alarm, I am cut off from your sight. But you heard the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cried to you for help. Love the Lord, all you his saints. The Lord preserves his faithful, the faithful, but abundantly repays the one who acts in pride. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. Let's pray together. O Lord our God, We thank you for the opportunity we have today to hear your word. And God, we pray even now that we would be changed by the power of your word today. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We've got such a tendency, such a tendency to value strength and strength alone. Some of the things we praise and love in our culture, and I don't think it's all wrong to like these things or to praise these things, but but as we have this such a tendency to value strength, we we praise self-reliance and we praise the pioneering spirit. We praise people who are self-made. We scoff at the idea that anyone's got it better than anyone else. We're all self-made in our own hearts and minds. We spend a lot of time praising and valuing strength. But I'm not confident that we spend enough time thinking through how the Bible embraces and celebrates and encourages weakness. Weakness. I think of Martin Luther, whose great hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, we sang just earlier, whose life and accomplishments prove his own words. If we did in our own strength confide, our striving would be losing. This man who was hated, who had attempts made on his life, who seemed so small and insignificant in the face of the ecclesial powers of the day. And yet God used Luther's weakness to change the world. I think of the great missionary who left a Congregationalist and became a Baptist, Adoniram Judson. He suffered in prison. He lost multiple children. He lost two wives. And he lost his own health in trying to win the Burmese people to Christ. And today, the 
third most amount of Baptists in any country in the world or in Myanmar, the modern country where Judson served. God used Judson's weakness to prove his own strength. And time wouldn't allow us to look at all the biblical examples, but I think of a few. I think of Saul the king, the strong king, the mighty warrior who was hired by the people to come fight their battles for them. But he undid his own kingship and his own dynasty through pride, through self-reliance, through relying on his own strength rather than God's. I think of the Apostle Paul who said that God's strength is made perfect in his weakness. When I am weak, Paul says, then I am strong. And I think of David, the very author of this psalm, who, though he didn't look the part, was made king in Israel by the strength of God. And who God promised that one of his descendants would be on his throne forever and ever and ever. And I can testify to you today that that is true. Brothers and sisters, I hope today that what you'll learn that, that what you'll see in this great psalm is that you should walk in God's strength and not your own strength. I, I hope and pray that what you can see today is that you should walk in God's strength and not your own strength. I want to show you this morning four ways that God strengthens us. Four ways that God strengthens us. Now, for those of you who struggle with change, four points today. Okay, so don't start wrapping everything up when point three is over. We've still got one point to go. Okay, it's mainly for Nathan. I just want to make doesn't deal well with changing things up. <laughs> four ways, four ways, God strengthens us. First of all, we are strengthened by God's protection. We are strengthened by God's protection feels good to be protected, doesn't it? Doesn't it feel good to know you're protected? One thing I say to our kids all the time is if they get scared about something, I don't know, whatever, a noise in the house or something out and about or whatever else, they'll just say they're scared about something. And my response to them is always, well, look at me. Do I seem scared? And they say, no, you don't seem scared. And I say, well, here's the deal. Here's what we'll do. When I get scared, you can get scared. But until I'm scared, just hang in there. It'll be fine. Everything's going to be okay. And, and that's one of the things I try to do, and I think it's one of the jobs of a dad. Now, listen, if something really went wrong, I don't know what I would do. But the reality is that it's my job to protect my family, right? I'm doing my best. If there's a, something that goes bump in the night, I go grab a kitchen knife and go try to figure out what's going on. And uh, whatever happens, happens, you, you, you know. But it's my job to make sure that if something goes down, it's me that's there. It's no mistake that Jesus taught us to call God our Father, our Heavenly Father. He protects us. Listen to the language. Now we, we're not going to be able to look at every single thing in this psalm, unfortunately, but the reality is I, I really want you in these first five verses to look at the language that's used. God is our refuge. He's our fortress. He's our rock of refuge. He protects us. I believe these first five verses are a, a picture of the protection of God. The protection of God. You see, I think our tendency is to want to try to protect and defend ourselves. To, to abide in our own strength. To prove and to show how tough we are. 
We, we want to justify ourselves. We want to prove ourselves. And oftentimes, I think we want to provide ourselves with a sort of protection that only God can give. But here's what I want to encourage you to do this morning. I, I want to encourage you to take the attitude of our Lord Jesus Christ, who chose not to protect himself when he could. Right? Is anybody in here, let me ask you this question. Has anybody ever here ever read the book of Revelation? Anybody ever read the book of Revelation? Jesus can take care of himself, can he? He's doing all right. Uh, he, he, he can take care of himself. The Bible says he can slay people with the word of his mouth. And, and yet, the Lord Jesus Christ, when he was brought before Pilate, when he was brought to the cross, did he defend himself? No. In fact, often he didn't even breathe a word of defense of himself. What did Jesus do? He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, the Bible says. And in the most strong display of the power and might of God, whereby he secured the hope of his saints for eternity, whereby he condemned the devil and all of his demons, whereby he defeated sin and death, whereby he secured for himself a name that is above every other name. The greatest display of strength in the history of the cosmos was also the weakest moment of our Lord Jesus Christ's life. And I don't believe it's any mistake at all that in that moment, when he was at his weakness, weakest, when he was just about, as the King James Version so beautifully says, give up the ghost. What did he say? Into your hand I commit my spirit. Verse 5, into my hand, into your hand I commit my spirit. He didn't finish the verse. You have redeemed me, O Lord. Faithful God. I pray that we will take the spirit and attitude of our Lord Jesus Christ and rely on the protection of God. You see, Jesus trusted the Father. Though He was ridiculed, though He was scorned, though He was mocked, though He was humiliated, though He was murdered at the cross, He trusted the Father to ultimately protect Him even as the Father's will was for him to be crucified. This is precisely why later in the New Testament we're told that God disciplines those he loves because they're echoing the sentiment that Jesus believed all the way to the cross that he was being made perfect. I don't mean that to mean sinless, but that he was being made a perfect redeemer through his suffering. You see, Jesus was strengthened by the Father's protection and all the while he's on the cross, all the while he's suffering on the cross, all the while he is suffering the wrath of God there on the cross, at the same time throughout that whole episode, what is Jesus doing? He's quoting the scriptures. He's quoting the Bible. He's going back to the Psalms and quoting God's promises to himself, reminding himself that though he may die here, and he will die here, it's into God's hands that he will commit his spirit. And so whether in life or in death, we belong to the Lord. God can protect us. We're strengthened by God's protection. But furthermore, we're strengthened by God's grace. We're strengthened by God's grace. I want to show you verses 6, 7, and 8. Verse 6 can be kind of troubling for us when we read it at first glance. Hear, hear what the Word says. I hate... Those who pay regard to worthless idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love 
because you have seen my affliction. You have known the distress of my soul. What does David say when he says, I hate those? Now, that's one of the earliest things we teach our children is that you ought not to say that you hate. But what David is saying here, and, and what I really think he's getting at, is that he hates idolatry, and he hates what these folks that are idolaters are doing, seemingly, to the cause of God. You see, David had a unique position in salvation history that none of us hold. David was king in Israel, and, and not only that, but David was the recipient of what we now call the Davidic Covenant, the promise that God made that one day he would deliver not only his own people, but all the nations of the world through one of David's descendants who would sit on his throne forever. So David, if you, if you read all through the Psalter, you'll notice that David is constantly reflecting on his role and his place in God's salvation efforts. This is not pridefulness on David. This is actually humility, recognizing where God has placed him as king in Israel. And what he's saying is he doesn't want God's plans to be thwarted. And so when he says things like he hates these people, what he's saying is, I believe that yes, indeed, he is, he is echoing the justice and condemnation of the very God whom he serves. Because there are people who want to destroy him and thereby destroy Israel, God's people. And, and that's a that's ruinous not only for David's kingdom, but it's ruinous for the people of God in all ages. Because through David and through Israel, God was planning to bring us Jesus Christ. He's praising God and thanking God furthermore for keeping him from such temptation. You notice what David doesn't say. How easy would it be for David? And some of us think like this. I hate those who pay regard to worthless idols, but I thank God that I chose a better path. I hate those who pay regard to worthless idols, but thank goodness I was raised right. I hate those who pay regard to worthless idols, but we don't behave like that down here, right? How easy would it be for David to do that? But no, that's not what he's saying. He is thanking God for delivering him from evil. He is praising God for his grace. He's seeing God's his own strength in the grace of God. I hate those who pay regard to worthless idols, but I trust in the Lord. I trust in God. I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love because you've seen my affliction and you have known the distress of my soul and you have not delivered me into the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a broad place. He is praising God for what he's done from preventing him from walking down that path. He's not talking about how great David is. He's talking about how great God is. And then also David shows his own distress. Be gracious to me, he says, O Lord, for I am in distress. And it goes on into verse 10. God is still God in the midst of trials. And God's grace is sustains us in the midst of distressing trials. Brothers and sisters, your strength must come from this. Your strength must come from this truth that you don't deserve anything you have. What do you have that you've not been given? The New Testament tells us. What, what, what do you have that's not a gift from God? What do we have to be prideful about? No, no, no. No, no, no. Everything we have is grace. Every day we wake up and we're not in hell. We are recipients of the grace of God. Because God had every right to punish us for our sins immediately. Immediately. 
I always like to say, every time I get angry or do something wrong or whatever else, God's got the right to open up the ground and swallow me up and cast me immediately into hell. But he doesn't because he's gracious to us. Find strength in the grace of God. Imagine then, anytime a trial comes your way, you're reminded that things could be worse. Any, anytime a, a trial comes your way, you're reminded that even in the difficulties of life, as those storm clouds come over you, as the great hymn says, they're big with mercy. They're big with God's grace. God's grace strengthens us. But furthermore, third of all, we are strengthened by God's faithful friendship. We are strengthened by God's faithful friendship. Listen to what the Bible says. I, I want to just read to you 11, 12, and 13 really quickly. Because of all my adversaries, I've become a reproach, especially to my neighbors and an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street flee from me. I've been forgotten like one who is dead. I've become like a broken vessel. For I hear the whispering of many, terror on every side, as they scheme together against me, as they plot to take my life. One thing that people like to talk about in the world today is haters. People that are they're haters. I want Kim Kardashian to read this song and then determine whether or not she's really got haters, right? Do, do we really have the kind of haters that David had? No, no, nothing cracks me up more than people who talk about haters and, and folks who talk about all the drama that follows them around and all this kind of thing. And, and we really have become in so many ways sort of trite in, in, in our culture. We, 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 we've sort of become trite. Now listen, every... Everything we go through matters to God. Don't, don't mishear me. But, but Blaise Pascal once says, one of my favorite quotes from Pascal, and uh, Pascal once said, a trifle consoles us because a trifle upsets us. And, and I think that's so often the way we relate to the sort of adversity in our life. We're consoled by trivial things in life because really trivial things upset us. But I, I want you to fear, feel the depth of what David is going through, that there are people who are literally seeking after his life. It, it, depending on where, when in his life David wrote this, there, there's a lot of opportunities for David to look back at his life where people wanted to kill him. From Saul, all the way to his own son Absalom, who wanted to take over the kingship. I, I would encourage you to spend some time in First and Second Samuel and look at David's life and we sort of think about David as king in Jerusalem and sort of running things and doing great and doing God's work but but listen David went through a period of time where he was with really all the people who had been rejected out of Israel so he's hanging out with kind of a merry band of misfits out in the wilderness and uh, I always say if, uh, it's kind of, when I think about David I'm like if you if you didn't love me at my hanging out in the wilderness with a bunch of weirdos, you don't get me at my king in Jerusalem. That's what I would say if I was David. That's the trajectory of David's life. He can look back and see these genuine afflictions and trials in his life. But how does he respond? All this is going on, but what does he say? But I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my 
God. And then in verse 16, make your face shine on your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. This is covenantal language. This is covenantal language. That God's face would shine on his people is associated with his covenantal love with his people. What did God promise to Abraham? He promised, I will be your God. David is rooting his trust in God. He is rooting his trust in God in God's covenant love. And so he's reminding himself of God's faithful friendship. Though the whole world seems to have turned against him. Though he seems to be a byword out in the community. Though everywhere he goes, he hears people whispering against him. Though people even want to take his life, he is ignoring. Or better yet, letting those things feed his gratefulness and gratitude for the friendship of God. God is his faithful But on top of that, we see in verse 15, he says, My times are in your hand. David is trusting God's providential care. We we can be sure that everything that happens comes from the hand of God in one way or another. We, We must trust him in his goodness. We must trust that he is our faithful friend in the good times and the bad. And David is also trusting God's perfect justice. O Lord, verse 17, let me not be put to shame, for I call upon you. Let the wicked be put to shame. Let them go silently to Sheol. Let the lying lips be mute, which speak insolently against the righteous in pride and contempt. He's trusting that God is just. It's good for us to remind ourselves when we face injustice, when we face difficulties, when we face trials, it's important for us to remember there is a judgment day. What a scary and beautiful thought that is. God will make all things right. God will sort all this out. God is our faithful friend by his love and grace. And we must trust him that he has perfect justice no matter what befalls us in this life. Therefore, we are not people of bitterness and grudges. We're not people of wrath and malice because we trust that God is just and that one day God will sort things out. Nobody likes the idea of hell until you start talking about Adolf Hitler. And in every heart, know somewhere in here, we long for justice. We long for justice. And we must trust God's perfect justice. We must be strengthened by God's faithful friendship. Have any of you ever been encouraged or strengthened by a friend? I had a friend just the other day text me something that was just really encouraging. A, a, a friend from seminary texted me something, just he's watching things from a distance and just sent me a, a text or two that was just extremely encouraging. It meant so much to me. As an aside, I've never met anyone who was over-encouraged. So if you ever feel a prompting, a friend of mine posted this on Facebook yesterday, and I, I think this all the time, if you ever feel a prompting to encourage someone, I want to encourage you to do it. But nonetheless, we've all been encouraged by a friend. We've all been strengthened by a friend before. How much more so should we be strengthened and encouraged by the fact that God, God is our faithful friend. He's promised us an eternity of love and commitment. 
He'll never leave us or forsake us. He's our friend forever. We are strengthened by God's faithful friendship. And finally, we are strengthened by God's promises. We are strengthened by God's promises. Paul tells us in the book of Galatians that when God makes a promise, like the one he made to Abraham, it's as if it's already done. Such is God's power, such is God's faithfulness, such is God's righteousness and integrity that when God makes a promise, it's as good as done. He will fulfill his promise. What promises does David cling to? How is David strengthened by God's promises in this psalm? Well, verse 19, we see that David is strengthened by the promise of God's goodness. What does he say? Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you and worked for those who take refuge of you, in you in the sight of the children of mankind. God has promised us that he is good. I, I can't begin to tell you how many times, how many times in my life, sometimes in my own personal life when I've been suffering, but sometimes when I see what some of you have been through, so sometimes when I'm, I'm watching y'all go through trials, so, and, and Whitney can, can tell you this, I, I, I lay in bed at night and I think about it and I pray about it, and you know what sometimes I have to just tell myself? God is good. I, I don't always see how, and, and I don't always understand how God's being good in every situation, but I know he's told us he's good. And guess what? Over and over and over and over and over again, God has proved his goodness. His goodness. How can David balance all that he's going through and still believe that God is good? You know, if you're David and you're a young man and you get anointed king of Israel, and between the time you get anointed and the time you take the throne, you go through all that David went through, you might want to find someone else to make you a promise next time. Your, your faith would be challenged. Mine would be. And, and we see records of that sometimes in the Psalms. David's honest. What does he go back to? God's promise. God is good. His goodness is abundant. What else does God promise? David goes to the promise of God's presence. Not only is God good, but he's present. In the cover of your presence, you hide them from the plots of men. You store them in your shelter from the strife of tongues. Brothers and sisters, we can count on the presence of God. And as a Christian, we have the indwelling presence of God. God has given us His Holy Spirit to indwell us and remind us regularly of His love for us. What else do we have? We have the promise of God's steadfast love. Verses 21 and 22. Blessed be the Lord, for He has wondrously shown His steadfast love to me. That's a picture of God's gracious, covenantal love. That text is always, that word, steadfast love, is always used in that context. I had said my alarm, I'm cut off from your sight, but you heard the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cried to you for help. He is clinging to the promises of God's love. He's asking God in these difficult circumstances for his mercy. Brothers and sisters, we can cling to God's promises. We are strengthened by God's promises. Put God with me and I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. Take God away, you'll find me in my office in the corner in the fetal position, begging God for help. 
What else does David cling to? The promise of God's strength. Love the Lord, verse 23. All you His saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays the one who acts in pride. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. This is not a text that's making it seem like this is going to happen immediately. Sometimes there will be waiting. Sometimes we have to live in hope, a faithful expectation that God will do what God said he would do. But in the meantime, God has given us the promise of his strength. Be strong and take courage. Let your heart take courage, the Bible says, all you who wait for the Lord. David then is referencing back, I think, to Joshua chapter 1, where Joshua is told to take courage as they enter the land. What that means is we cannot embrace, we cannot hope for, we cannot live in the promises of God without the strength of God. We cannot do it on our own. We cannot do it by ourselves. We need the help of God. If we are to be courageous, if we are to be strong, if we are to play the man, if we are to step up like we need to step up and trust in God and cling tightly to His promises and live in hope in the midst of sometimes excruciating trials, we must have God's strength. Brothers and sisters, my hope and my prayer for each and every one of you in here today is that you will walk in the strength of God every day of your life. Because in the moments where things seem to be the worst, when you seem to be at your weakest, when you seem to be at your wit's end, when it seems like people are all around you, like David went through, whispering horrible things about you, if you ever come to a place in your life where somebody even wants to kill you, They hate you so much. You can know David was there before. But not just David. Not just David. Also the one who purchased you by his own blood has been there before. And at his darkest hour, in his worst moment, as all he has is trust in the promises of God, What did he say to the Lord? Into your hands I commit my spirit. God's got you. If you're committed in faith to him, he will strengthen you minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day. I want to offer an invitation this morning. If you've never trusted Jesus for the first time, My hope and my prayer for you today is that you would meet him here this morning. Second of all, second of all, if you're a believer and you say, Pastor, I've just not been walking in God's strength like I should, this altar is open for you. So if you need to know Jesus, I believe this morning he'll save you if you'll turn to him in faith. And if you're a Christian but you say, I just need somewhere to pray, I need you to pray with me, Pastor, this altar is open to you. And finally, you may be looking for a church home. I'd love to talk with you about what it means today for you to be a member here at First Baptist Church. After this prayer, I want to invite you to come. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, our God, we thank you so much for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for this opportunity we have to worship together today. And God, my prayer is 
Lord, that you would move in the hearts of your people this morning. For it's in Jesus' name we pray.